I just wanted you to go on A and R. Yes. Okay, I'll try. Okay. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Live Free Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Mike Maxwell. Today's guest is Mr. Sean Barber. He is a multi-talented artist, uh, oil painter, figurative artist, portrait artist, maybe, if you want to say that. He's also a, an extremely talented tattoo artist. He runs a shop out of Los Angeles with, uh, with his lady. We talk Sam Tripoli, New York, beer balls, San Francisco, early encouragements, attention, Los Angeles, tattoos, Mike Davis, tattooed portraits, Chantel Menard, photographing subjects, nudes, unconscious collective, fecal face, workshops, and customer service. So, like always, make sure you go check out the website, MikeMaxwellArt.com. Click on the blog and you can get all the information about each artist. You can check out the songs that are played in the show. And you can also donate to the podcast if you feel so inclined to do so. Scroll through there, you'll see a donate option to the PayPal. Click on that and just type in an amount that you feel like uh, donating. We'll probably we just got done with the live free raffle a couple weeks back, and I'll probably do another one here again um, before too long. If you use iTunes, make sure you subscribe to the podcast, and that way all the shows go directly into your iTunes, and you don't have to find each one each time. See, my dog is going to eat some food right now so that he can get on the podcast. Is that good? You finally hungry? You waited till I started to record to, to eat your food, Pete? Go ahead, dude. Do your thing, my man. We all got to eat. So, <laughs> with all that said, uh, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Sean Barber. Hey, Mike. Hey, Sean. How are you? Good. This shit's loud. That might be me. Uh, let's see. Or is I it see your you. headphones? If uh, you just click the the camera button up at the top right there. Uh, it says video? I think so. I don't know if your screen looks different than mine. I just updated it. Says it says video unavailable. Your video is unavailable? Yeah, let me, uh, let me do this. How are you doing? I'm great, man. How's everything with you? There you are. There you are. I see you. All right, cool. Well, hey, thanks for doing the show, man. I appreciate it. You're welcome. I listened to a couple of them yesterday. They were nice. Oh, cool. Which ones did you get to listen to? Uh, Sam Tripoli. I went to high school with Sam. Really? I'm actually uh, a few years older, which is is pretty crazy. That's awesome. Yeah, I've been uh, following his stuff for a while. Johnny, uh, Johnny Comanzi. I heard that one last night, too. Cool. Well, um... I think you and I met in San Francisco a few years ago. Uh, is that where you grew up? No, I grew up in Portland, New York, uh, the middle of the state near Syracuse. I lived there 25 years. That, I guess you sort of answered that before, but for the people who don't know where Sam yeah. Tripoli grew up. you kind of, And it's funny, too. Like I, I sort of gave you like an East Coast vibe. Like I... I Sort of projected you had some um, sort of East Coast affiliation. I don't know if it's like the way you I wonder, look. I wonder or, what that is. Maybe the way I dress? I, I don't think so. I think it's more, um, I think geographically there's like facial features okay. that uh, sort of take place around certain areas. Like I, all my all my relatives are from Pennsylvania. Right on. And so there's like a, 
it's you know a lot of Eastern European like Poland, Russia, like yeah. that type of area. A lot of people settled in that area, and you could still kind of pick up some of like the facial features, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but then there's you know there's the sort of like uh, mentalities of somebody from the East Coast. There's always like that East Coast West Coast thing. Like I talked about it with Sam, like, and we were talking about how comedians on on the different coasts are different. Or right. like how creative people who are in sure. certain certain temperatures. Um, um, I guess so. You know, I think I've been in the West Coast for oh man, I don't even know eight nine years, and moved out here a couple times after high school. And I don't necessarily feel like I'm from a specific coast. Um, you know, I think in the tattoo community, I guess you could because I'm in that more so now I feel I can see little distinctions between the coasts, but outside of that, um, the difference is, is I think in what people worry about, uh, the general people that aren't artists, you know, walking around the streets. Yeah. I think it just plays into the artist mentality because we're sort of constantly sponging up everything that happens around us. And maybe there's just yeah. like a, a different way of life in different areas where you know where you spend more time inside with people absolutely absolutely or out in the sun getting your tan on right <laughs> well uh, i think sam said something about a beer ball and you got you didn't know what that was oh no i actually i, I for sure knew what that was i i used to hang out in the desert as a kid i okay. know what the beer ball was it's actually uh uh jason teeb was the or Somebody in the room wasn't aware of what it was, but I, I remember those distinctly. <laughs> we used to steal them. <laughs> That's right. As high school kids, yeah. <laughs> so when did you get to the West Coast then? Um, I moved out here in, uh, man, I just had left teaching in Florida right around 2005, I think. No, 2003. Let's jump back then. So when did you go to art school? To teach, what were you teaching? Uh, I went to like a community college out of high school, dropped out, and then did a private school upstate New York for two years at 25, and then graduated in Florida at 29, um, and started teaching there for a while. I was doing their um, like their pre-college program in the summer as well uh, as an assistant teacher, and then taught it, and then ran the program for a couple of years. So were, when you got to to San Francisco was was your goal to continue to teach? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Uh, it was something that when I left Florida, um, I put feelers out there to, to the schools that I thought would make sense to work with. And um, not until about a year living in San Francisco did I get um, that opportunity, but it didn't take, it didn't take too long. Did you notice a significant change in the work that you were making once you got to a, a city like San Francisco? As like, you know, it sort of go, it keeps going back to sort of where you're at. But I think, sure. again, I think it goes even deeper than that when I sort of mentioned just a geographical location. But like, yeah, for sure, for sure. Like the people that you interact with and the people you become friends with and Absolutely. mentors and those sorts of things. Absolutely. My work... Um... I think content-wise, um, when I had prior to getting there, it was along with certain directions of uh, using certain subject matter to kind of talk about 
you know, how I felt about living in, you know, America and all that stuff. And then moving to San Francisco, those things definitely changed in a lot of different ways. And I guess the aesthetics of my work probably through the vast, you know, range of styles that people work in there, um, it definitely evolved. Did you have some early art influences as a kid? You know, like we always make shit, right? Uh, did did you have somebody that sort of helped push you towards making art? I was into comic books. So were you I drawing drew, a bunch? Yeah, I drew from when I was a couple years old, I think. I have drawings at five years old. Um, I was encouraged to draw at early age, you know. Uh, I think what most what happens with a lot of young people, if you're encouraged in something that somebody around you sees promise in, you probably end up going in that direction. So if you're like decent at sports, you're going to get encouraged and like pursue that certain sport. Um, I had the uh, desire to draw and doodle and I was stoked on it. So I think just seeing that excitement, you know, I got enough encouragement to not, not do it. I think, um, Something I wanted to talk to you about too, which I, I you've mentioned in public, is sort of the um, and which is sort of appropriate now that you're in Hollywood is sort of the um, attention grabbing that happens okay. that we see amongst uh, creative types a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, it almost becomes like a drug, where it can be right, like that that attention level, and you know it talk we talk about like as a young kid, like getting that early recognition for for doing something maybe yeah. a little bit better than somebody, or even like getting a, an encouragement from somebody that you look up to or something to that nature uh, well, that could help you further pursue it, I think more seriously because somebody's acknowledging your energy put into it and saying, "Hey, good job, like you should keep at it, yeah from artists at an early age, I've noticed that there's a correlation amongst uh, certain creative types. Like, for instance, people who come from broken homes, like sure. for, where the, maybe there's a, like, a lack of a father figure in yeah. place. Like a lot of times that, or even, you know, like if, for, for people from our generation, from yeah. my generation and, you know, maybe yours, I, I, I maybe, uh, a lot of our parents had to work their asses off to be able to survive and take care of their kids. So a lot of those like parental attentions that maybe weren't there for a lot of young people, like it seems like creative types have found something to where they get that little bit of attention. And even there's something about some control in making things like the creation of something that's yours and having it be accepted by a group of people can kind of mess up a young person's mind a little bit. And I think there's something interesting as we I become... I it depends a, on the, that intensity of how much accolades you're getting. Yeah, true. And even just, like, to see how, how it plays out into adulthood from, from, a, from a young person's perspective. Yeah. And uh, you, you, you live in Los Angeles now, so it's like you live in that, like, hyperbolic chamber of that like attention grabbing needy yeah it makes it hard to uh go out and have a meal sometimes <laughs> we we went and had a uh a couple days ago a friend was in town to paint with us and uh we went to get some uh some mexican food and 
we got there and the bar, it was a little crazy there. The bartender was, um, bring our drinks up, took our order for food. And I think her and her friend kept going in the back to do cocaine or something. And, uh, her friend comes up and there's three of us, me, Kim and, uh, Damon. Damon's like, uh, you know, real huge Afro fucking, we're all tattooed and all that. Um, and this girl came up and just introduced herself and said, I work at, for this record label and, you know, I work with these producers and blah, blah, blah. Like, not even before she said hi and we're, we didn't even, we're eating, you know? It's just fucking weird, man. Yeah. And that, that city is so strange that it's like, it's, it's such a fantasy world. It's a melting pot, uh, I think, where you have any kind of personality you can think of that's just, you know, all around you. Yeah. Um, a lot of people move here to uh, get some sort of fame, for sure. I've always had this sort of... Well, I loved L.A. when I was young and then sort of got this weird hatred of it, and I'm trying to uh, disassociate with old negative like right. associations with it. And then I went to LAX to pick up my girl the, uh, this on Sunday, yeah. and now I hate L.A. again. Oh, no. <laughs> I, you know, I was a, I was an LA hater, you know, as somebody who lived in San Francisco as a Californian, um, living there six years, you know, and having friends down here and making trips and seeing how, how things are here. I definitely had a, a disgust for it. And, um, my girlfriend had been down here and I was making the trips about a year, about a year, year and a half, like a few times a month. And it just it got old. Um, I had reservations. Been here about a year and a half, and uh, I love it. Yeah, it's what you make of it, right? As opposed to like what it makes of you. Yeah, you know, I think uh, as at forty, you know, I'm like at a point where I'm not allowing bullshit that I don't want in my life into it, and the people around me who are complete negative, soul sucking leeches, like I don't want to be around them. You know. Yeah. And that's that's the way to live a fucking happy, positive life because it's a, it's that it's that nonsense that just gets you fucking drained during the day. Absolutely, absolutely. We got a, we got a good situation. We got a a big private studio in the middle of the beast. Uh, our house is walking distance. Um, we're blocked from Dick Blick. I can walk to nearly anything I can ask for. You know. Nice. Um, Your space is beautiful. Is thank you, thank you. The uh, the ceilings are all the way. It's arched all the way across there. Yeah, it's an arched arched ceiling. I think there's three buildings like this in LA. I think that's about it. Wow. This yeah. particular kind of ceiling. You when did you start getting into tattooing? Was it something that you were also interested in at a young age with the drawing and things? I was yeah, I was interested in tattoos. I. Uh, Got tattooed at 16, um, <laughs> and I would hang out at the the one of the two local shops that were there. It was this guy tattoos by Todd? He was a he was a super nice guy, like burly biker dude who really couldn't draw. And um, I would hang out at the shop, and he would have me draw designs for him because he couldn't get them the way he wanted them. Um, I got a few tattoos from him. I got my first tattoo was a black costume Spider Man. And then I got one of my superheroes on me, you know, um, and like a tribal lizard, you know, what, what does a teenager get, you know, who's 
doesn't really know who they are. I know. I'm so lucky that I didn't get tattooed until my, you know, even in my 20s, it's like, shit. Absolutely. But, you know, it's always great, you know, and I tell a lot of people that, like, you know, and tattoos are so personal for everyone, but for me, it's like a, uh, it's like a timeline of who I've been, and it makes yeah. me sort of, I have to keep it real. Like, I can't, I can't fake on myself. I can't, it allows me to remember exactly who I was at a certain age. And if I look back and, or not only like keep the good memories, but like if I pretend like I'm somebody I'm, I wasn't, you know what I mean? Like, it allows me to have a very distinct pinpoint memory of a time period. Yeah, tattoos will, will do that, I think, more so. I think tattoos and music do that for me. Um, where any song I can listen to and it'll bring me back to that first time that I used to listen to it. Um, you know, I think we all change, honestly. Uh, I think with experience, you can't not change. Um, and to remind yourself of where you were is great, but I, I wouldn't necessarily say that we're all who we used to be, you know? No, no, that's what I mean. I th It's like a gauge of... Or some, I think it's easy for, for us to forget who we have been without sure, like yeah, those markers. Sure. Yeah, you can't deny your past. Yeah, your your past is always going to be a ghost behind you. That uh, you know, for good or for better or worse, it's your history, and you know, whatever good and bad choices you made, you're still living the consequences of those, and you got to be okay with it. Sure, I always talk about how I learn from my stupid and the the. the the little mistakes along the way help you help you learn and become a better person if you if you allow that to to work itself out. Absolutely. Back to tattooing, I I know for for me at a young age like I was I think it was music probably that got me interested in tattooing and then like you know like a friend's older brother who was like the cool kid that we all looked up to who had sleeves at a at a young age, you know, like something to that effect like i i knew that it was going to be a part of my life somehow mm -hmm. at a young age much the right. same way that i knew making art and doing things was going to be a part of my life like my entire life because of the personal reasons you know because of the things that the the personal rewards that we get like i also felt that you know like i was talking earlier about the attention that we get you know and that was something that i've had to work really hard to to separate myself from and not get wrapped up in sort of accolades or things and, and allow the work to stay pure and, and really focus well, on. If you don't do that, um, to use myself as an example, when I went to college outside of high school, the first year I thought I knew more than everybody. You know, I thought I was a badass. Um, year and a half into it, I just drank and did lots of drugs and realized that I didn't know anything said, you know what, dude, you're a fucking idiot. You should not be dealing with this. You should just party because you want to party. And then there's something that comes, you think it's something that comes with age and just over experience that you, uh, well, I think going back to school at a later age and, and not really being a professional artist until I was, you know, 29, like it's something I always did, but, and I took serious, but not serious enough as a career path. And I think making that leap, it's just a, that's a different animal. And I think for a lot of people, it's like, it's weird. Like I, when I was young, like I could totally see, like I was either, I felt like I was going to be a comic strip artist or I could be a tattoo artist. Like that was something like I yeah. could see an art path making money. Like it seemed like as a child, 
you know, in this sort of capitalistic system that we have. And so we, we look for those things. But sometimes we, we run into people in our lives that show us certain pathways that, hey, you could do this thing too, yeah, like yeah, for sure. this group of people is doing and, and move sure. along. And that, that was the reason to move to San Francisco, honestly. Yeah. You, you mentioned being a student, and that's something I've sort of always admired in, in your work or in what I've known about you is that you, you always seem to be um, learning. Like, uh, I know you had a really long apprenticeship, right? Uh, it was not necessarily long in terms of the time spent with it, but it was over the course of a couple of years because I was teaching when I started it. I was with Mike Davis for about three years, I believe. Um, and I hadn't really started tattooing until about a year and a half into the apprenticeship. Um, you know, coming into trying to tattoo at 35, you know, with a couple other jobs, I was still doing commercial illustration and uh, fine art, you know, heavily. Like those three jobs was how I made a living. And um, I had bills, you know. Jump over to painting, if we could. Yeah. Uh, you, you're a well-known figurative artist. I, you know, I wanted to ask you: Do you ever call? Do you ever refer to yourself as a portrait artist? I don't know where I fit. <laughs> um, you know, the the places I show are, I guess you you could call kind of like lowbrow, pop surrealist kind of, you know, contemporary art. Um, and I have shown at some group shows in like figurative galleries. Um, I feel like I'm a, I don't just do images with the figure, but I'm primarily uh, driven by painting the figure. Um, I love painting portraits, um, but I wouldn't classify myself, classify myself just as a portrait painter because I like dealing with more than that. I, I, I don't want to limit myself by, uh, being this guy that does this one thing, you know? Yeah. You don't want to be pigeonholed? Yeah, that was the attraction to to actually jump into tattooing, too, at 35. It's like, I want to learn another craft. Like, why the fuck not, you know? Well, that was actually one of the questions we had sent in from uh, Randy Jensen, which I think was just tongue-in-cheek, but was he had (laughs) asked, uh, why did you get into tattooing when you already painted so well? Um, But at that time... I had been, I, I think, you know, it was suggested by some friends, a guy from high school I went with who had done uh, a lot of my tattoos before I came to San Francisco. He had encouraged it for a while, and I just, you know, I was motivated on, at that point, being an illustrator and a fine artist, and then moving to San Francisco uh, pretty soon after I shared a studio with Henry Lewis. Um, and, you know, he's a fucking great, great artist. He's super versatile. He's, you know, he's kind of natural just because he, he can kind of do anything and get into it and, and do it quick and, and just, I don't know, bring his own energy to it. Um, you know, those situations, moving to San Francisco, I started painting artists that are tattooed, you know, and then meeting all these, these people and, and getting a little bit more ingrained in that tattoo community and, and, the excitement and the passion that I saw from those people really encouraged me to pursue the craft. I think just seeing their uh, dedication to, to the medium is pretty fucking amazing. We also had another question. Uh, let me see if I can find dude's name. Yeah. Greg Goosens 
was was curious about the difficulties. Uh, you're you're an oil painter yeah. primarily, right? You, do you paint yeah. on oil on wood, oil on canvas? Um, canvas, panel, wood. Um, probably more canvas than anything. In terms of difficulties, let's say let's say we grabbed a random person off the street who doesn't know anything about art, who who hasn't done either painting or tattooing, and sure. gave them a machine to do a a practice tattoo and a canvas to paint a painting. Which one do you think would be more difficult? Uh, well, it depends it depends on who's judging. <laughs> That's a perfect answer. <laughs> but yeah, there's. I wanted to talk a little bit more about the painting the figure. Um, sure. There's something I talk about uh, with people about tattooing in particular. Like I, a lot of times people will, will approach me and say, hey, will you draw a tattoo for me? And I'll always say, you know, if you want to get tattooed, you should go to the find the artist who fits the idea that you have, have sure. them draw it because everyone's hand is sort of different. Now, yeah. you were able to do a, a bunch of tattooed portraits where you're forced to sort of emulate somebody else's hand in, in reproducing the artwork, yeah. the tattoo work. And that's something I noticed that you were really, really good at in, in picking up what seemed to be like people's hand in, in their tattoo line. Because there's certain even like tones of color that you're able to replicate in a certain way that I'd notice from certain tattoo artists that they have a style. I would say that I probably got lucky more than than doing uh, a decent replication. I think uh, now, you know, five years into it, drawing and drawing more for tattoos, I'm starting to definitely replicate what is there because I'm going about it thinking about their process and how they put it in the skin, you know. Did you find in do in working on those portraits that uh, you worked in on them the same way that you would work on a tattoo? Was there a similar process in like the the step to step process of tattooing as as like let's say in the process you would paint the portraits and then start to work the tattoo in with some of the color? Is that oh, as it, far as the process of doing a painting of a tattooed person? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's changed and it continues to change. Uh, in the beginning, I would um, kind of, you know, draw out the whole thing with the tattoos on on the the, the surface, and then I would take acrylic and a black um, uh, script liner brush and draw in all the tattoos first. And then I would lightly sand that so there was no like tooth to the acrylic uh -huh. and then glaze layers of flesh over it and then start to paint opaquely and redraw the tattoo, um, you know, on top of that. And I don't do that at all anymore. Now I, I draw the figure out, um, paint the flesh up for several days and then let it dry and then re-stencil um, the tattoos onto that. And that's my starting point from when um, it starts to look like they're in the skin. And are you, are you still working on the tattooed portraits still? Oh yeah. Oh hell yeah. Still part of your process? Rest of my life for sure. That's rad. I, uh, I have this big fascination with painting the figure as well, obviously. Uh, and there's something in painting the face that's just pleasing to me. Like, 
for and I I don't even really know what my association with it is, but there's something in the the facial features that's like almost relaxing to paint. Or you can relate to it, you know. It's even if it's somebody you don't know or uh, you know they're they're passed away and not with us anymore. There's still something about seeing a face and and you know looking in the mirror and you you know you see a face every day and you see faces walking around and it's just uh, you're recreating another one of those even though it's of somebody who's probably you know existed at some point. Yeah, I noticed uh, something that was interesting. I don't know. I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast yet or not, but. Um, I did two portraits of oh, I did a portrait of my grandmother and my grandfather for my mom. Yeah. And uh as I was working on them, like I would catch little glimpses of like my relatives, like my aunt or one of my cousins. I would just kind of see like something that reminded me of them in just like certain angles of of like an eyelid or something. Just little sure, like absolutely. twinges. And well, so, those are the features that that made, you know, made up your physical structure you know yeah totally and then and of course i i understand you know like that's how we associate with everything is like we we scan the face first so there's something natural and intuitive about wanting to to recreate that i think absolutely but it seems to be i don't know if it's just like genre based or if it's like <laughs> the last decade but there's definitely been like a fantasy sort of experience that i think in uh in the art world like a lot of people sort of trying to get away from reality oh uh, i think that's always been there I, yeah. I think the people that have done it before it's been typically they haven't necessarily thought of putting that stuff in galleries and they've just directing it towards uh trying to be uh you know sci-fi fantasy artists you don't think it uh, it ever has like Sometimes it seems in the past there's been like cultural shifts. Like I see, uh, depending on like the way society is feeling at a certain point, artwork tends to flow in certain directions. Sort of like, sure. uh, yeah, for sure. You know, just the natural ebb and flow of creativity. You know, Absolutely. wherever it comes from, and you know, in depression type eras, we'll see you know, abstraction of things, like a, a sort of escape from reality because reality is kind of grim sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I think I see some of that in, like, some of the current, I guess, for lack of a better term, popular artworks. Well, yeah, I mean, you can't not. I mean, the, the people are making images in context to the world they're living in, so it's, it's universal. Do you, as a... Uh, as a sometimes figurative, sometimes portrait artist, uh, get into abstraction? Um, I think in areas, in areas for sure. I think uh, in the past I have a bit. Uh, I have a, 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 not an affinity, I have a, I like some of that stuff for sure. Uh, I have an appreciation for it. Um, I understand the relevance and the power of a lot of it after seeing quite a bit of it in person. Um, you know, I think the challenge for me is no, knowing what kind of images I want to paint. How do I put some of that influence in there and not have it be something totally different than what I, it's supposed to be, I guess. Oh, I had a question, uh, again, from Facebook from Patricia Mitchell, uh, about a painting, uh, that you did of Chantel. 
Yeah, and Chantal Menard. She wanted to know if it, if she sat for you or if you worked from um, a photo reference, if you did like a photo shoot or something. I did, uh, with most everything I do, I take photographs. I take my own photos. Um, I set up most of the situations if they're not already, you know, a snapshot of what's happening. Um, with that painting of Chantal, I had known her from uh, other artist friends. She's been painted by a lot of different uh, California artists. And, um, you know, she uh, does some really amazing assemblage art. Um, and I wanted to, you know, I know she had some great tattoos as well. So it was like, she's a perfect person to do a painting of. Um, and at the time that I shot that, she had, I think we'd met once or twice before, uh, through friends and, uh, she just got off a plane, went to her house, you know, she was real accommodating, super nice. And she had all this human, all these animal, um, skulls and taxidermy and all that kind of on her shelves in the house. And, uh. You know, we had a conversation for maybe half an hour and then took a couple of photos and it made sense to bring all that stuff into the picture plane with her, you know. Um, yeah, I think a lot of times you get lucky by paying attention to your surroundings, you know. What what I'd like to know is, you know, it, for me, I, I paint a lot of really old portraits. I, yeah. I collect uh, turn-of-the-century stuff. And for me, I, I find personal metaphors in, in the recreation of these people. Do you, do you find that there's, do you, is there a personal backstory to, to these works, even as some of them, I'd say 30% of the portraits I've done, that's the case for sure. Um, and it's either knowing the person more so they're more of a close personal friend or knowing a lot more about that person's uh, own personal history. Um, you know, I definitely infuse it more and more, you know, and I also enjoy the kind of collaboration that happens when you're in a situation and, and, you know, taking those photos. Uh, we went last, last winter, uh, Kim and I went out up uh, east to finish up photographing some people that I wanted to paint for this show at uh, Josh Liner Gallery, and we drove up um, the coast to Thomas Woodruff Studio. Um, his he's been uh, somebody who's worked I've, I've looked up to for a long time, and he's you know a great example of somebody who's an educator who is a completely productive, hardworking artist who's doing his own thing. And, uh, you know, he's a real heavily tattooed dude. Um, and he's runs, uh, uh, SVA's illustration program, you know, like he's, uh, been influential and, and in and out of the tattoo industry for years, uh, working with Ed Hardy, Ed did a lot of his tattoos, um, which are pretty historical pieces. You know, I think as far as Ed's career goes, they're in some of his books. Um, and uh, Thomas is also an hourly gay dude, you know. Uh, he's What's awesome about his situation and his life is he is who he is and he doesn't not be himself. You know, he's it's pretty amazing. So we went to visit him, uh, his, his farm, I guess you could call it. 
um, drove up to the house. Uh, in the barn was his art studio, which was upstairs. And it was, you know, definitely one of <sighs> seeing his, the density of the work that he had in person and at the level and quality and, and just the fierceness of, you know, how much purpose his work had, like in that setting was fucking rad, man. And, you know, I didn't know what kind of painting we were going to do. We talked about doing a nude, um, knowing that he had, um, you know, pretty much a bodysuit of a lot of old tattoos. And um, he suggested that having his paintings there, he paints like a lot of floral stuff as well. He had a, a pretty amazing um, floral piece with these huge like watermelons on the ground. And uh, we kind of put that painting behind him. It's a couple snapshots of that. And then put him in front of the painting and then, you know, when it came to doing the thing, made him kind of in his own work. And, you know, it's a life-size piece. Um, and his idea as well was to go completely nude, you know, not have the hand in front of the balls, but just have like a bouquet of flowers, which I, I think is pretty fucking rad. <laughs> um, Do you find some, some similar um, correlations between the sort of bond that gets built between a person getting tattooed and a tattoo artist? as well as like a photographer uh, subject, knowing that they're going to be painted, like the sort of intimate so. relationship, especially yeah, being nude. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, being nude, I think in a photograph, it might be more difficult than getting photographed to paint. But I think as far as like being comfortable with it, um, I think sitting nude in front of a group of people that are painting you from life is probably the most difficult because you have more than a set of eyes on you, you know, dissecting your anatomy and your, you know, your skin and your, your body type, you know, for hours. And you don't know, you know, it might be looking like the most amazing thing. It might, they might be doing a horrible job, but they're, they're looking at you, you know, and that's, it's pretty uh, overwhelming experience. Yeah, I, I gotta assume that there's like a ego detachment from that. You have yeah, to be too. really comfortable with yourself. Yeah, yeah. I did some uh, in school. I did some some nudes uh, where I posed. I had like underwear on, so I wasn't nude. <laughs> <laughs> it was not only difficult as a you know physically, um, it's a little taxing over time. Um, it can be uncomfortable, you know. Same sure. with getting tattooed. Sometimes it's not the pain of the actual tattoo it's the pain of sitting in the same position for a long time sure 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 yeah for sure there was another question uh from a name that i'm totally gonna butcher okay my eastern european people oh. <laughs> or one of your eastern european people <laughs> <laughs> luchazar petkov okay uh i guess we sort of went in he has a two-part question uh he wanted to know <laughs> about if how serious you were about art before the age of 25. I assume this person's probably around that age. Okay. And then the second part of the question was, uh, if you were, they had a question, if you had a portrait DVD coming out, oh, okay. something to that effect. Yeah, I can answer those. Um, you know, I was serious about making stuff before I was 25 and I was, drawing every day but I was kind of drawing the same stuff and I didn't have any critical feedback or people around me to be like you know what dude you should fix this this is looking wrong like blah 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 um, even though I was active in drawing 
I didn't have that, and I didn't pursue it heavily enough as a job to for it to be uh, something I did twenty four seven. I had to work. And how about about the portrait DVD? Uh, the portrait DVD. Well, we did uh, with this company, Massive Black Concept Art org. We did a foundation painting three years ago, um, which is an introduction to oil painting, and it um, it's good information. Um, had a lot of interest, a lot of people bought the stuff. Um, and then we put together another one, Portrait Painting from Reference, which is what I do. Um, and uh, had it all ready to go. And that company split into two parties. And I was kind of in the middle of that uh, at the time that this DVD was about to get made. And then we made it over the course of a long time. And um, it took them forever to put it out. Um, we finally got to a point where it's was ready to put it out and um, this other company had screwed my friends over so many times and was trying to screw me over that I had to hire a lawyer and tell him, you know what, neither one of us assholes are going to use this shit because you're not going to make any money off my stuff. So are there plans to do something else in the future? Yeah, you know, I, I, I meant to do it in the last six months and I'm learning to say no to a lot of things and uh, it's taken time to catch up with all the things that I've said yes to. I think the strength over doing it now over what we had already done is I'm probably going to integrate dealing with tattoos a little bit more so with this. Um, I think that's information people are interested in. You know, my, it's not a fear, but it's a, it's a reality that, you know, you put this stuff out and you're going to get a lot of people whose work is going to look derivative of of your work. Um, And, you know, those things, I think earlier on and, you know, we get annoyed or, or upset about those, but it's, uh, you know, everything's kind of free reign and nobody's original. And, uh, uh, once you put it out there, it's out there and, you know, people are going to be influenced by what they see, you know? Um, well, what a I different can't... world now with the internet too. Like before 10 years ago, you had to, if you wanted to find something to be interested in, to even to emulate, you had to yeah. go search and find it and really dig well, deep. Well, you had to go to the past a little bit more. And I think that's that's why, you know, you were saying, like, there's uh, maybe a, an unconscious collective of how people are making images. I think part of it is because they're all looking at each other's stuff and they're not <laughs> looking at the past. Sort of incestuous. Totally. totally. <laughs> well, um, let's. Uh, what do you got coming up in the future? Um, I'm doing a, I got a solo fecal face. Doc Gallery, um, nice. July 8th. We've had John on the show. I heard John's. Yeah, nice. that was the other one I heard. Yeah, that's nice. great. John's a fucking great dude. Yeah, he's, he's super rad. One of those early internet innovators. Absolutely. You yeah, know, yes. and probably a huge influence for me being in a, a city like San Diego where there isn't a lot of um, art culture to be found. You know, having having these different little internet venues to be able to at least become aware of different art scenes and cultures and people making things was, was really important. Absolutely. Yeah. It's helped bring everybody up for sure. John, John did has done, you know, I think the San Francisco art scene is a really strong one uh, as far as the artists that live there. Um, it's a pretty tight knit community um, that everybody gets along for the most part. And, you know, across the, the styles of work, there's, you know, a lot of camaraderie. Um, San Francisco's selling market isn't that great, but I think 
you know, with Fecal Face's calendar, it allows the people that live in that city to really know what the hell's going on and, and to be a part of it. Yeah. And brought a lot of talented people together. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, you, we had mentioned the DVD and some of the, uh, the portrait work. You, you do some workshops, right? Are you still working? Are you still doing those? I do. Yeah, I do. Um, I do a workshop once a month at our studio. Um, I still travel with my friends from Massa Black. We do about once a year. We go to some, usually a different country for three or four days. And there's about 50 artists teaching to, you know, 200 to 500 people, um, and most of those guys are in the entertainment world, but they're, they're the best draftmen, draftsmen I know. Um, their work ethic outside of anybody's I've met has motivated me more, more than any other artist out there, I think, because um, they work long hours. They have to. Um, they have to make up stuff that doesn't look like stuff all the time <laughs> or make, make up things that aren't from reality. Um, yeah. They're, they're, they're versatile, and they can draw their asses off, and uh, that's all they do all day is draw. It's pretty fucking cool. Yeah, that's awesome. If if there's people who wanted to to take one of your classes or do one of your workshops, how would they go about doing that? They can email me. My email is sdbarber, B-A-R-B-E-R, at gmail.com. And you're I on the... I do them once a month. You know, I, I pretty much... I haven't advertised it a lot because I have I've been doing it over a year and I have a good core group of people that come to most of them or a lot of them. And I don't want it to get out of control. Um, I like the intimate setting. Um, you know, we can definitely add some more people, but yeah, there's, it's a personal space. You know, it's, I'm charging people money, but it's not outrageous in, in what you're getting for the price. Um, I actually paint a little bit, but, you know, it's a five-hour session, and I'll work on every single person's piece more than a few times in that session. So it's, you know, it's hands-on. I like I like that stuff. Which is a great setting for somebody, you know, somebody who really wants to learn a new craft or, yeah. you know, really get something special from it or something something important. I've been, most of the people coming to them have been tattooers, uh, a lot of younger tattooers. And, uh, you know, this community is one where it definitely feeds itself and uh, it embraces itself and it supports itself. And uh, I enjoy being a part of that community and giving back to that community. Um, you know, it's, it's a pretty special place. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of people get into it for the wrong reasons and, you know, some of them don't necessarily stay in it or they, you know, they just get sour to it and bitter about it and, you know, whatever. <laughs> I was one of those people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it happens. It happens. The job, it's a, it's a hard job. You know, it's, it is definitely the most difficult craft I've ever worked with. Um, and it's taken you know, a good solid two years of tat, like solid two years of tattooing to even feel remotely confident with it, you know, and I'm a decent drawer, you know, I know color, I know anatomy, I know design, um, enough to do a decent job, you know, and, uh, it's hard. Yeah, it's definitely difficult. And it and was you're dealing with people's different attitudes too, you know, that, that, that mental part of that job is, it's, a uh, 
it's a part of it that can take the, the largest toll, I think, on you. Mentally. Sure, the customer service aspect behind yeah. it? Yeah. That was a big turnoff for me, I think, was dealing with the people. Yep, it's the hardest part of the job. Yeah. Every time I just I wanted to be in the studio painting by myself. Yep. Music sure. on <laughs> that I chose. Um, cool. Well, let's uh, let if people want to check out your work, uh, they can go to your website, right? Sure. I can um, talk about some more upcoming stuff too. Yeah, whatever you want to get out there is would be um, great. I got a solo show July next year at Josh Liner Gallery in New York City. Um, started the work on that too, and I'm really really excited about it. Um, you know, I'm doing conventions, uh, tattoo conventions, and painting workshops all over, and just. Uh, you know, check out the Twitter. That's where I post all that information. What's your uh, What's your Twitter name? Um, I don't know. It's uh, twitter.com forward slash. Um, how do I check profile? Sean D Barber. Sean S -H -A -W -N D Barber. Okay, cool. And I'll I'll put a link to it up on the blog. I do a little blog for everybody. Right on. We'll get all your stuff up there as well. So, um, and are are you available for for tattoos in this in the Los Angeles area? Or are you mostly just doing convention stuff? What's uh? Uh, well, we have a we have three stations. My girlfriend Kim, say myself, uh, this kid James Spencer Briggs. He works here and gets on Charlie's in uh, Anaheim, and then Adrian Dominic works here as well. Um. I tattoo average per month, about three days a week, um, and I'm booked out about a month and a half. I uh, I want to thank you again for, for taking the time to do the show. I appreciate oh, thank it. Thank you. Anytime. All right, nice. Let's do internet dap. Titties. <laughs> Titties for, oh, for yeah, life. There, there we go. go. There you go. <laughs> nice, brother. All right, thank you again. I appreciate thank it. You. Have a good night. See you. All right, later. Jump, Jump. Cholo.